Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello, darlings. Welcome to the Anna Man podcast. I'm Anna Man, actress, singer, welder, gotta have a backup, siren of the stage and screen. These are my memories. Hello, my crumblies. I hope you're all doing okay. Hope you've still got all your bits and your bobs and I hope nothing important has dropped off or whatever. Well, it's a worrying time, isn't it? I don't mean that flippantly. I I really hope nothing's fallen off. It's all getting a bit hairy again out there, isn't it? And no, I'm not just referring to my best friend Sue Clinch. She's not well, bless her. She started sprouting again. It's like something from an H.P. Lovecraft story. A cosmic terror from beyond the stars. Mother's been hiding her razors again. She likes to cause trouble. She's a psychopath. Let's not beat around anyone's bush. Mother is a psychopath. She likes to cause trouble. Poor Sue. She looks like the missing link or something. I filmed a little video of her in the garden. I'm trying to sell it to the Daily Star. It's a funny thing, isn't it? Hair. Grows all over the place if you're not careful. I was looking at my pubic region the other day. Oh, sorry. Sorry if that's a bit much for you. Sorry if some of the prudes out there are getting a little bit uncomfortable. If you feel it's bringing the tone down somewhat. But as I always say, this podcast is not afraid to really go there to talk about anything. And yes, that includes pubic regions. I will not apologise for being incredibly brave. We all have a pubic region. Some of us have three. Sue Clinch is not well. So yes, this is a podcast about my life, my memories, my career, and my pubic region has always been a part of all those things, so deal with it! I don't believe that any of our normal bodily functions should be taboo. I knew a girl, lovely actress, called Felicity Fultra. She would not go to the toilet in her boyfriend's house. Whole time she was there, she was holding it in, and eventually she essentially exploded. So I was looking at my pubic region. Looking at my pubic region was I, I should say, and I had... Actually, quite a philosophical moment, quite a deep thought, which I do have every now and again. I thought, fucking hell, you know what, Anna, I said to myself, some of these pubes have been here for decades, actual decades, 40 years or so. Some hairs just sat there, 40 years. Of course, I keep them, you know, reasonably trim. I'm not an animal. I'm not Sue Clinch. But even if I've trimmed the hair, the essence of the hair is still there. You know, the idea of that particular hair, and the hair itself, often. I mean, unless you're inclined to shave them all off, which I stopped doing a long time ago. If a lover can't abide by a bit of bush, they're hardly going to be able to deal with my often operatic flatulence, are they? That said, the idea that they could just sit there for so long, it's so bizarre, isn't it? All these bits in our body have been working all this time. These machines that we just keep pumping and forcing to move around and fuel and expunge. 
These fleshy things we live in with their their hair and their teeth and their toenails. Fuck, the idea that we have toenails. I'm sorry if this is getting too deep for people, but you know, it actually reminded me of um of something that happened quite a while ago. I was on a tube train and I saw a man sat down in the carriage with me who had one incredibly long hair. Not pubic, he wasn't naked, although that was a regular occurrence back in the 70s. A lot of people would go bottoms off in protest on the tube. Not sure what they were protesting, but good for them. You know, I think it might have been not being able to afford trousers. Anyway, I get on this tube carriage. I look down, looking around, as I like to do on the tube carriage, see the faces. I'm not one of these grubby Londoners. When I have to go to London, I try and fight against the... uh, grumpiness you know i try and be a bit smiley and a bit hello everyone hello they hate it they absolutely hate it anyway i get on the carriage i look around and i see this man sat in the chair right in front of me just picture it if you will use your brains i can't paint a picture for you there's just words but imagine this man oldish oldish chap you know a bit of a moustache Grey hair, sort of businessman type, you know. He had a hat on and gloves, which I thought was strange on a tube. But anyway, he had this hair sticking out of his neck, coming out of a mole. You know when you have a little mole on your neck and he had a hair? You know those hairs you get on a mole? And if allowed to, they can grow very long, very, very long. And this was a particularly long hair. It was a very, very long hair. Seriously, it could have easily been as long as, I don't know, one of those foot-long sandwiches. You know the foot-long sandwiches from um, from Subway? I suppose I could have just said it was a foot-long, couldn't I? But I like to give a visual metaphor, you know. Imagine a, basically, if you could imagine a foot-long sandwich, but it's as thin as a hair, because it is a hair. Actually, this metaphor is becoming more pointless by the second. Just imagine a foot-long hair sticking out of the neck, okay? just it's as, it's as long as your foot, or as long as a big man's foot, Sean Bean's foot. Imagine a hair as long as Sean Bean's foot sticking out of a man's neck, just sort of growing out of his neck, on and on and on and on. Very weird. And I was fascinated, completely enraptured by this single foot-long hair. I stood behind him on the tube. It was early morning. I was on my way to an audition or possibly just a casual fuck. I look down and I see this hair and I'm absolutely disgusted and fascinated at once by the thing. I can't quite get my head round it. How could there be such a big hair? He stares into his newspaper. No idea I'm looking at him, but I just couldn't look away. You know, I tried. It was so awful, I thought. But every time I tried to focus on something else, another face, this single snake-like hair would sort of reel me in, like a, a fat old haddock. I had so many questions. Questions fluttered my brain. Firstly, did he know the hair was there? Huh? I mean, it was sort of on the side of his neck. It wasn't on the back. You couldn't miss it. If you looked, took one look in a mirror, you would see this hair. You know, it's there. It's there on the side of his neck. If he didn't know it was there, why hadn't someone mentioned it? Was he really not close enough to anyone in the entire world for them to feel that they could point it out? I mean, I thought that was so sad. If that was the case, it must have been very lonely, you know, because it must have been there for ages. Someone somewhere at some point must have thought to say, you should probably cut that off. It's a foot long. And if he did know it was there, what was his motivation for not plucking it? 
Had he grown emotionally attached to it? Did it remind him of an important life event, perhaps a lover? Did he think it looked cool? Did he think it made him look interesting or attractive? I stress again, it was a foot long, possibly longer, possibly two feet of hair. Just one hair. How could he not want to pull it out, is the point I'm trying to make. And this journey went on and on and on for what felt like an age. Still he looks at his paper, oblivious to me. I stare at his hair. I have to move to another part of the carriage. It was very busy, so that made quite a fuss. You know, I had to push people out of the way to just get away from this hair. But even though I got to the avenue of the carriage, I still found myself drawn to this hair. I couldn't help but look at it. It was so bizarre. I started to think it was looking back at me. Was it winking at me? Did it did it move? Like a like a statue in a museum whose eyes seem to follow you around the room. You know, look at me, the hare seemed to say. Look at me! You think you don't want to, but you do. You do. The man was completely oblivious to this mutated hare's screams. He continued to stare at his paper. Finally, I could take it no more. I stalk up to this man, having to push quite a lot of people out of the way. You know, excuse me, sorry, excuse me, that sort of thing. Finally, I get to this man to have a word with him. Although by this point, such a debate had been happening between myself and the hare, at least in my mind, that the man might as well have just been some sort of meat and bone puppet that the hare was controlling. Excuse me, uh, could I ask you something? That's me. The man looks up from his paper. Me? Well, yes, you, and... and that. I'm sorry. I have to ask. It's been bothering me for some minutes now. Yes. It's just... the hair. Her? Yes, the hair. I have to ask, are you aware of it? Are you aware of the hair? By this point, people in the carriage were starting to look over. I can't help but turn every encounter into a performance, as you know, especially when people don't want me to. Which hair? He says. Which hair? Which hair? Which hair? The foot-long one sticking out of your neck, of course. The one that's the size of one of those foot-long sandwiches, but made out of hair. Do you know it's there, even? It's massive. I have a hair on my neck, he says, revealing nothing. Was that a question? Was it a statement? I don't know. Yes, you do, I say, and it's huge. It's not a problem. I don't have a problem with it. I just, I just, I can't understand how someone could have a hair that long coming out of their neck and not be aware of it. And if they were aware, I couldn't imagine them not pulling it out or just cutting it off. Why is the hair there? The crowd are starting to stare now, waiting greedily with anticipation for the man's reply. But the man just looks back at his paper. I mean, you all saw it, I asked the crowd. Everyone was thinking the same thing. We all saw the hair, right? The crowd looked down at their feet, pretending that I didn't ask anything. Then the train stops at the next station. The man gets up to leave. Where are you going? I ask. This is my stop. Don't you dare, I cry. Don't you dare run away until you've answered that question. I have to know. He pushes past me through the doors. I reach after him as he pushes his way out of the carriage, and in the ensuing jostle, I accidentally take hold of the hair. As he steps off, I fall back, yanking the thing straight out of his neck. On the platform, he turns to look back at me, aghast in horror, clutching his neck as blood gushes from where the hair was. Fuck! It was really deep, I think. The train doors close, and off we go. My final image is the poor fellow looking absolutely terrified as he desperately tries to plug the gap with his brown, beloved hand. I realise I'm still holding the hair in my hand. It seemed to writhe in my hand. I shriek and drop it. I swear it slivers away under the seats. 
I look around at the rest of the carriage, my audience all caught up in this thrilling encounter. Here today, gone tomorrow, I say. The entire carriage bursts into relieved laughter, thank God. From there I proceed to perform one of my greatest improvised shows for the next 30 minutes or so. The whole audience enraptured until we finally get to Highgate, where we disembark and make our way to the flask for some hardcore drinking. And that was actually how I met my fifth husband. Are you frankly sick and tired of the woke apocalypse running rampant in our streets? Do you long for a time when you could watch whatever the hell you like and take the mick out of whoever the hell you wanted? And they not only took it, they thanked you for it and called you boss. Do you want some real news about real things that are happening right now, like the Second World War and the Queen Mum? Well, I've got the place for you. Uh, uh, hello, my name's Nick Cribbin. I am a 47-year-old white male man. Uh, uh, there are a few of us still out there. Uh, we haven't all been uh, wiped out yet, uh, despite what you might hear from the constant barrage of the uh, left-wing propaganda machine telling us that it's not okay to be white, uh, and that apparently there's no such thing as sex. Uh, well, I mean, if they're pre- referring to me and my wife's uh, uh, nighttime activities, they might have a point. <laughs> no, 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 just a joke. No, no, no. Um, I wouldn't want to if she let me, frankly. Uh, the years have not been kind to her. Now, I'm a normal bloke like you or me. But I became sick to the back teeth of the mainstream media, or MSM, constantly telling us we had to be mollycoddled and treated like angry children by the state. I had had enough. I got so annoyed I smashed up my train set. And I'd almost got round to gluing down the route from London to Newcastle. There's going to be a lot of unhappy imaginary passengers. Thanks a lot, MSM. Hey, uh, that's a good point. I want to be able to live my life how I want to live it, right? We've all had enough of rules. I want to be able to drive my car at 100 miles an hour doing a thousand-piece jigsaw, if that's what I want to do. I want the right to bear arms in my own home. I want the right to get a second wife. Most importantly, I want the right to get proper news that actually matters. Telling you the truth, they don't want to hear. So uh, log on to my news channel, Crippin' Tonight. That's Crippin' Tonight. You don't have to do the uh, roll of the R's. It is just one R. But yes, Crippin' Tonight. That's lowercase Crippin, C-R-I-P-P-E-N, then there is a hyphen, Tonight, which is T-O-N-I-G-H-T, I didn't go for a, a sort of, you know, youth way of doing it, uh, and that's dot, and then it's com, which is C-O-M. As I say, all that is lower case. Apologies in advance, by the way, if my wife walks in during the broadcast, she thinks I am studying for the Open University. I promised her I would get a new trade. Um, So if she does walk in, I will have to pretend that I'm enjoying a lecture. So please do bear with me on that. It may sound a bit strange. I might start saying things like, uh, yep, thank you. Yep, I'll get that. uh, I'll get that dissertation to you Friday or something, you know. So just be prepared for that. And then as soon as she's left the room, we'll carry on with the news programme. With the truth, actually. Thank you. Thanks for listening, for God's sake. Sorry, I didn't mean to... uh, Yeah. 
Hello, my name's Beth Murray, and if you'd like to hear funny people talk about giving birth, then have I got the podcast for you. Poor Richard, he made the <laughs> schoolboy <laughs> error of standing up to see the baby while I was on the operating table, and I think that's really not recommended. <laughs> you were scarred for life, he was scarred for life. In the latest series of One Torn Every Minute, a whole labour ward of new guests tell me their birth stories in hilarious and graphic detail. Gas and air can suck my... That's one torn every minute. Available now on all good podcast platforms. I suppose you wouldn't do it at all, would you, if you really thought about it? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. Where was I? Oh yes, so as I was saying, things are getting very hairy out there, aren't they? which led me on to that long talk about hair. Yes, I remember now, but I wasn't actually meaning to talk about hair, believe it or not. I was actually talking about this second lockdown that's looming its ugly head. Fuck. What are we going to do, darlings? It's so stressful, very stressful and nerve-wracking. We fear we're going to lose the things we have, this world we built up once again for ourselves, all the wonderful material worlds we've created around ourselves, our relationships, our routines, dashed away again. Will we still be able to enjoy a coffee and bridge or uh, booze and blowjobs, whatever it is that is your tickle, that tickles your pickle, as John Smells used to say, or is it pickles your tickle? It doesn't matter. The point is, it's very stressful, very scary, and I appreciate your concern, and a man really understands where you're coming from. I'm not made of stone, not like Sue Clinch. No, she's not actually made of stone, she just has a very calcified body. But no, I have been reading a lot of Stoicism recently, and I hope this helps. It's a philosophy that dates back to Roman times, which, as we all know, were the best times, arguably, except for the early 70s. Things are going to go wrong. I'm sorry, darlings, but that's just the way it is, you know. Things go wrong. That's life. It's all one big crisis, for fuck's sake. We die at the end. It's a fucking tragedy. And we all make mistakes, you know. We're going to make a lot of mistakes over the coming months. I remember um, one of my big mistakes. I did a Chekhov. Uh, a group of us put it on together at the uh, the local town hall. And it was a new version of The Three Sisters brilliant play. Unfortunately, we had a very poor translation, so it became The Twelve Aunts, which frankly wasn't as good. I mean, there was too many aunts for a start. Everyone was watching it thinking, you know, why are all these aunts in it? But the reason was we got the play translated by someone who clearly couldn't read Russian, and we paid him £10,000 for it. But once we cast the aunts, we couldn't get rid of them, could we? Not really. There was no furlough scheme back then. Not for aunts. But they didn't have any lines, you see, because there aren't any lines for any aunts. So most of it was just the main characters doing their bit and just all these aunts sort of sat around the stage. It was a very peculiar play and I don't think people liked it looking back. And of course, as one gets older, one likes all the creature comforts, you know. I mean, I, I literally use a small dog as a footstool. But I remember when I was younger, I had nothing, absolutely nothing. I toured for a while doing a lot of controversial plays with the Theatre of the Dicks. 
Do you remember those? The Theatre of the Dicks. It's theatre, but you're a real dick about it. We did a brilliant show, I remember, really really pushing the envelope, you know. In fact, there was one show where they were literally pushing an envelope. It was just a man pushing an envelope around the stage. It was brilliant. Brilliant. And you're watching it going, oh, I mean, what's going to happen next? You know, and it was just him pushing this envelope around a table over and over again for ages. Is that it? Is he just pushing an envelope? It's brilliant. It's so daring. Incredibly daring. And he never even opened the envelope. But the point is, when we were doing Theatre of the Dicks, we didn't worry about money. We lived on tins of beans, you know. And that was between the whole cast. One tin of beans. So it was about eight beans each. And a little tomato sauce, if you were lucky. Wonderful times, though. Wonderful times. We didn't care about food or money. We just cared about the art. Incredibly controversial, confrontational pieces. There was one where the audience walk in and they're sort of herded into cages, okay, while we pretend to be these prison guards, you know, and we herd them in. Chanel, Chanel! Which I thought was, I thought they were saying Chanel. So unfortunately I kept going, Chanel, Chanel! And people looked very confused. I think I even said this question, Chanel, Chanel? I think I, I thought we were sort of make-up people. Anyway, it doesn't matter. And we had all these guns, you know, we had these guns, like plastic guns, and very obviously plastic as well, because they had a little orange bit on the end. So it wasn't really that scary, you know. I think generally people were just a bit, are we meant to be scared? I don't know. But anyway, we'd sort of herd the audience into these cages. Schnell, schnell, you know. And then off we'd go to the pub for a bit, and we'd come back a couple of hours later and see if anyone was still there. Really powerful stuff. Shocking, actually. Get in the cage! That kind of thing, you know. The idea being, obviously, we were like Nazi guards. So it was like, it was like to try and show people what it was like, you know, what it must have felt like. But unfortunately, the only costumes we could get a hold of were old train guards costumes from Southern Rail, who I believe are essentially the same thing as the Nazis. But anyway, that's just me. But it didn't quite have the emotional punch, you know, being herded into a cage by a train guard from Southern Rail. And a few people asked if they could get a coffee from the trolley. The thing is, we don't know what's going to happen. And surely, can it be as bad as that bloody play? Unlikely. Arguably, it wasn't even a play. It was just people dressed as train guards, herding people into cages. Like Marcus Aurelius, the emperor philosopher said, and I am paraphrasing here, live like you've already died. That's it. That was your life. Now live properly. Get off Facebook. Start flying kites or something. Or if it's night, I don't know, go on a bat walk. Have you ever been on a bat walk? I went on a bat walk with my best friend Sue Clinch the other evening. It's where you go around a sort of park, you know, looking for bats at night. This local chap organised it, a bit of a job's worth, you know. He called himself the Batman. He said, you can call me the Batman. I said, oh, do I have to? You know, it's very immature. And also, you're sort of about 46, completely bald and a little overweight. I don't, you know, you're not Batman. Bless you, darling. No, bless you. I believe everyone can be whatever they want to be, you know. That's what acting is, but he's not Batman. We're going around, and he was a bit of a job's worth. He turns around to us. He says, sorry, can everyone stop making that noise? You're scaring the bats. I said, darling, it's not me, it's Sue. She was chomping on raw garlic for fear she might be bitten by a vampire. She's not well, bless her. Bizarrely, it actually made her breath smell a bit better. I said, Sue, darling, if Dracula appeared, do you really think he'd go for your neck? be like trying to bite a sea lion that would be a plot twist wouldn't it dracula finds a victim but he's unable to pierce her rhino-like hide she said i think i'm being very rude anna i said you're the one loudly chewing garlic it stinks 
She agreed to stop eating the garlic, but a noise persisted. What is that noise? asked the Batman. Oh, God, Sue, stop jangling. You're scaring the bats. It's my protection, Anna. Sue's heard off the internet that the best way to get rid of COVID is to attach various metal spoons to your body. Apparently, COVID hates spoons. I don't know. She She's very susceptible. She's read a lot of conspiracies, all right? She's not well. Anyway, she's jangling away, refusing to take off these spoons, at which point a bat does fly out of the sky right over our heads, right? Sue acts out of pure instinct, because it flies straight at her, straight into her hair. Out of pure instinct, she just grabs the bat and, you know, well, bites its head off. Awful scene, but not her fault. It was instinctive, okay? You, you, can't, you can't go against instinct, especially not if you're Sue. You know, it'll be like telling the wolf not to howl or the bear not to shit. Anyway, it was an awful scene. It was an awful scene. Everyone's screaming, all the people on this tour. She's standing there with this bat's body. The Batman's up in arms. He's screaming. What have you done? He says, they're a protected species. Well, so is Sue, I counter. Stay where you are. I'm calling the police, he says. Well, we, we leg it, you know. And even though it was night, it was actually very hard to evade the Batman. He comes running after us, but he can hear this jangling. You know, I'm saying, take off those fucking spoons, Sue. And drop dead from COVID. Awful scenes, awful. What are we going to do, Sue, I say? Well, we could try biting his head off. No, don't be ridiculous. You can't bite a man's head off every time you get in trouble. But in the end, all's well that ends well. We just sort of got in a ditch and hid there until morning. Woke up stiff as drunk old Freddy Basden's knob, covered in tick bites. But we survived, you know. We survived. Not sure what the moral there is. I guess what I'm saying is just be very careful if you go bat walking. Yes, that man, he really didn't look like the Batman. He actually wore a sweater. I don't think Batman wears a sweater, does he? You know, I had an idea. I've got an idea for a superhero film. Listen to this. I might have mentioned this before, but it's really happening now. It's called Captain Trampoline. Have I said this before? My granddaughter, Lemon, she was very into trampolines at one point, And I thought, right, that, what do kids want? Kids want trampolines. They love trampolines. So the idea would be this superhero... He'd get in trouble, you know, he'd get in, in a fight or whatever, superheroes do, but he'd pull out a trampoline, just suddenly like that. It could be a woman, could be a female superhero. The idea was that they were like a champion trampolinist, but somehow they got sort of cybernetically connected to their own trampoline, so they can't get it off their hands. You know, it's just sort of quite a small trampoline, like a, you know, just a mini one-person trampoline. Um, but then say they're walking down the street and a mugger comes at them, you know, and, and, and he's got a gun. They just pull out this trampoline and then... And then, I, well, I, I suppose they sort of jump over them or something. Or, or, or they do like a bounce on it and, and they kick them. But then they'd have to come quite close to the trampoline. But anyway, you know, it's, I think there's something in it. I really do. The point is, we're looking for investors. Please get in touch. It's going to get made. It's just, you've just got to ask yourself whether you want to be on it from the, 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 the start. I think there's a lot of money in it. Anyway, up to you. Love you, darlings. See you soon. Bye. You've been listening to the Anna Man podcast, created, written and performed by Colin Holt, edited by the wonderful Dan Snellgrove and inspired by the repellent Sue Clinch. You can support our incredible work by going to patreon.com slash Man or ko-fi.com slash Man. You can also hire Anna for your own private Zoom parties. It really is a tremendous way to spend an evening with friends and has been going down phenomenally well. Send an email to colinholtcomedy at gmail.com or if you'd like a lovely birthday message, video or audio, email to the same. And if you'd like to hire Colin or Anna for gigs or 
your events, contact United Agents. Please follow us both on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube by looking up Animan Actress or Colin Holt Comedy. And never the twain shall meet. GreatBigOwl.com Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.